My guest today is Mike McCorder. He's here to talk about his review of ARMS. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Mike McCorder, welcome to the show. Justin, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Arms. It seems like such an abstract concept to review. Are they better than legs? Do you count hands? Um, it's. Uh, I don't understand how you would review a body part like that, especially kind of a classic that everybody sort of opts into sort of by default. Oh, oh, Justin, um, this is actually about the video game Arms. It's a Nintendo published, Nintendo developed game for the Nintendo Switch. So uh, much more sense. I was wondering oh, why we didn't review that. Actually, I no, we did. I think you need to maybe read the review a little bit more closely. Yeah, there were a Ooh, lot of uh, Arms in the review. In my defense, <laughs> that's true. Yes, uh, uh, and yes, Arms are actually a, a big part of the game. So that you know that the the title of Arms is not misleading. It is it is almost universally about uh arms it's also about uh it's also about pigtails and dna strands but for for the sake of simplicity let's just call it a game about arms um for me mike arms uh it falls into kind of a weird area because i i feel like um it first off the i think some of the hurdles considering that it's such an early point in the system's lifespan one of which is I don't have a second pair of Joy-Cons that would necessitate with like local multiplayer. And I feel like a lot of people are probably in that same boat. I don't think there's really been any uh, or, or many games. Maybe uh, I don't know if Mario Kart does this, but like that, that would support the second pair. It almost seems like a kind of a required purchase with this. Uh, no, actually, I, I, I wouldn't say that that's the case. Um, I think the Joy-Cons as... Uh, controllers that you can share um, actually function decently with arms um, you know <clears throat> as I said in the review I, I took the um, you know I took the console out to a bar and we uh, we had a little impromptu play session um, just and and each person took uh, their own individual joy-con uh, and uh, and played head-to-head -head. and I, I think it actually suffices in terms of uh, how complex or not complex actually our arms controls are so I no, I don't think that a that a, a second set of joy cons or uh, any other controller is necessarily required to enjoy this game what was the way that you found yourself playing the most uh, pretty much with um, pretty much with the uh, the Joy Cons in uh, what I guess they call it tablet mode, right? Um, I was basically playing a lot on the train at my desk at work, um, sitting on the couch, lying in bed. It was all just kind of with the Joy Cons attached because I uh, that's kind of how I started, um, and I didn't really spend too much time uh, with the motion controls. I you know I, I played through. Uh, the game's version of a campaign, uh, essentially, with motion controls. Um, but I think after having learned the more standard control scheme for it, I, I just didn't. I, uh, the motion controls didn't really just uh, they didn't they didn't jibe with me. Even though uh, I've heard some people say that you know that they've they've felt very comfortable using the motion controls, and uh, that uh, control variant actually gives you a little bit more um, well, for lack of a better word, control over each individual arm. Um, so it's, you know, I think it's all up to you what, what your preference is, um, but there are obviously a variety of ways to control this game. Um, the, the, 
so you mentioned, you know, playing with another person with a single pair. How does that work? Do you just pass back and forth between matches or what's the what's the structure there? No, I mean, each individual Joy-Con serves as its own specific controller. So we were playing a head-to-head split screen uh, on a single unit with uh, uh, each person having their own Joy-Con. How do you have independent control and, you know, of the hands? When you're what's that? that? How do you have control of the independent hands when you're when you're doing that? Well, so you, so you don't. I mean, you can you can kind of um, you know if you, if you fire them independently, then you have a little bit of you can put a little English on them near the like you know a, a, after they've fired. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can basically do that with like the the shoulder buttons of the of the Joy Cons. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think it, it works pretty well. It's basically all you need is an analog stick to move around, uh, the four face buttons to uh, jump and, and dodge, uh, and then the shoulder buttons to to punch. Um, so it actually, I think, works pretty well. Uh, I, I also played a couple um, local wireless games with uh, Chelsea Stark, our news editor. She had a copy, and she brought in her Switch. And uh, that process was actually uh, it was actually pretty easy and enjoyable. Um, it, was, it was fun to just sit across from each other and... and uh, and since I had about, you know, 12 hours of, of experience ahead of Chelsea, just really just really wail on her for really uh, an hour or so. Moralize her. Yeah. It's you know, it's funny. Everybody who I've talked to who has tried that sort of networking multiple switches together is, is sung its praises as being really seamless and easy to get going. It is. And like, I feel like the, the lobby system that they have in arms is actually it's actually pretty smart and, and uh, efficient, uh, especially in terms of Nintendo online functionality. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. I, 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 if you're going to if you have people to play with, um, mm. I, I can highly recommend it. Um, but I'd say if you're if you don't have some friends who are going to play some arms with you, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit more of a questionable purchase. Is that is that difficult, Mike, when you're playing a game? I mean, a lot of times when we play games for review, um, we are under a certain time frame that makes it so that you can't always play the entirety of the thing in like the most optimal sort of experience. There are a lot of games, for example, that are best played in co-op, but it's especially if you're playing an early copy, you, you can't sort of loop people in as easily if mm. it's just you know you're relying on the availability of other games journalists uh who are playing the thing um do, do you how hard is that for you as a critic to sort of play a game you know try a game in the sort of quote-unquote optimal way but play the majority of it you know by yourself and sort of extrapolate that those two experiences into sort of one cohesive review how much of a challenge is that for you uh i i wouldn't say that it's too much of a challenge and, and i don't know if people know this about how we receive games in advance for review but you know the the time frame that we have to spend with a game it, it varies usually depending on on publisher um and nintendo as a company is, is typically very good about giving you review code final review code they'll send you a you know a, a physical copy of the game or they'll, they'll give you a download code sometimes weeks in advance um sometimes even long um, so I, I feel like that, you know, they, they're pretty generous in terms of how much time they give you to spend with the game. And, you know, I've played a, quite a few fighting games for review. Um, and so typically what I do is I, I spend as much time as I can, you know, playing through the single player portion of the game so I can familiarize myself with the controls and the mechanics. And and then uh, and then I'll go online. Um and, and try to spend some time with it. And and that can sometimes be difficult depending on the game. Uh, but with the case of ARMS, uh, we were pretty fortunate in that um, it seemed like Nintendo sent a lot of copies out to, to media. Uh, and then it also seemed like there were a lot of people at Nintendo and in Japan uh, playing the game. 
so when I got the game, you know, probably about a, a week before the embargo was about to lift, um, you know, I, I got to I got to play through the, the, the single player mode a few times and then messed around with some of the training modes. And then I just like on a Saturday morning, just jumped online and matched with a half dozen people and played through it and uh, and and continued to go online and never really had any trouble finding a match. Um, now mm. that, that's a little bit different from uh, other games that I've played in advance, like like a Dark Souls or Bloodborne, where the online component is 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 crucial to the game, and you just don't get to experience it. But I think you know the way to approach those kinds of things are like, what do people need to know on on day one if they're considering a purchase? Uh, and that's mm. a lot of that is like, hey, are the servers on fire? Um, is there some major technical limitation that is keeping you from playing online, or is is the lobby system a total mess? And and those are things that I think that most of the time you can you can glean with just a few hours experience. Uh, I, you know, I don't I'm not going to pretend that I know what the the meta competitive scene of arms is like online or, you know, what character is totally imbalanced on day one um, just based on, you know, playing a, a dozen or so or however many online matches I played. But, you know, I think it's those are the kinds of things that uh, you just kind of you got to hit the most basics at review and then monitor it and, and keep an eye on, on what the situation is. And I, cause I think, uh, especially with online games and patches and, and games of service, you're, you're just constantly keeping an eye on that kind of thing. So, um, as somebody who has played a lot of fighting games, um, what potential do you see, uh, for arms to evolve into something that will have a, a pretty vibrant scene around it. Um, this question is probably one that I, I would have dismissed a few years ago. Uh, not to say arms was around a few years ago, but uh, I would have dismissed a few years ago. But but seeing like this, the scene that is I, like I never would have predicted uh, the Smash Brothers scene to be what it is. But there's like a lot going on in there that people have managed to like exploit and continue to to learn about. So like what do you see that potential within arms and 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 why or why not? You know, I'm not a, I'm not entirely sure that I do see a potential for arms to compete. It's certainly at the level of a game like Street Fighter or Tekken or, or Super Smash Brothers. Um, I mean, I, I do think that the fights can be dynamic and, and there are uh, there are probably more um, there's probably a little more depth to the game than I think most people might uh, think at first blush. Um, you know, there are obviously a lot of arms uh, in the game. Uh, or a lot of they call them arms. They're they're, they're weapons, boxing gloves, missiles, whatever they, whatever you can equip. Um, and then the, you know the the character skills and attributes are you know they they definitely uh, are have a big impact on the way this game plays competitively. So I think that there's a lot, there's potential there, um, but you know I, I don't know if it's long term. You know when I think of something like arms, I I kind of think of something more along the lines of like a game like Dive Kick. Right, which was a game that tried to boil down competitive fighting games to two moves, but then they added a bunch of character variation and and, um, and uh, variations to those two moves. So the game got a little more complex than than its original pitch, uh, which was you could you could dive and you can kick. Um, so and and you know, I, I, dive kick has had some small competitive scene for the past couple of years, but it's. It's certainly not a like a, a marquee featured Evo game, uh, and right. it, it's um. So you know, I I don't want to. I certainly don't want to discount its potential, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to characterize uh, it as like. I certainly don't want to say that Dive Kick is is not a well designed, interesting, competitive game. Um, 
it's just like the first thing that, that came to mind in terms of just how much depth there might actually be to this and, and whether people are actually going to embrace it competitively. But it, but it's a, it, it, I think there's an interesting potential there for at least a, a non-traditional fighting game to, to get a little action. So Nintendo seems to believe in it anyway. So that's, that's good. You mentioned in your review the, that it's kind of a shame that a game that has such compelling characters um, uh, doesn't actually have much storytelling to speak of. Um, do, and you've also talked about how this would be an easier recommendation for somebody who has people to play with. For you, uh, would a compelling story have made this an easier single player recommendation? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I don't think it necessarily needs to be a like single player fighting game narrative on par with like the, you know, Mortal Kombat or Injustice. Um, but I, I, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more attention paid to, I don't know, just character interactions or, you know, highlights mm. or, or endings or, or, or some kind of at least conversations that happen between the characters to give them a little bit of color. Um, you know, I, I think we... I think we gave uh, uh, an, our, in our review of Overwatch uh, last year, we, I think we kind of dinged the game for, for maybe not having a single player component or, or, or having much there. But as you probably have gathered and most people listening, that like there is a lot of Overwatch lore and it's told mostly outside of the game, though there are, there are interactions between characters that kind of color the relationships and and explain and, and provide backstory and uh and and blizzard has done a good job of of kind of filling out that lore in in, in a bunch of uh, different ways outside of the game um you know and nintendo i think has done some of that with arms i'd like to see them do a lot more um uh, i think there's a lot of potential for that and it sounds like they're they're going to continue giving this game updates and a lot of love over the next six months to a year or whatever. Um, so I think there's some potential there, but I, I do, I definitely think people need to know what they're getting themselves into. And there's, there's not a whole lot of meat here for the, for the solo player. Uh, we have a few questions from our listeners. Uh, one's from rogue hot dog who asks, how does the combat feel compared to other fighting games? Are there equivalents of footsies, pokes, punishes, etc.? I'm assuming those words mean something <laughs> yeah yeah there are i mean you know so i know about wake-ups i saw that in a video yep <laughs> wake-ups are a thing yeah sure there are there are definitely traditional fighting game techniques in arms like you can you can basically punch people's arms as they're coming in and, and disable them and and you can um you know you can uh you can you can dodge and 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 you can you know you can you can you can poke at at characters or, or your opponent with with uh, sh with short jabs or it depends on the arm like basically um, I I don't think that there's necessarily uh, the there's a one to one relationship with some of the the you know fighting game techniques that that were just listed off there um, but the, there are there are similar there are similar techniques in here for sure uh, let's see I think we have another one here. Why is Helix the best character? And that's from Ryan. Uh, well, okay, that's. Are you sure that's not from Nick? Um, uh, no, it's from Ryan, not Nick. Okay, okay, just want to make sure you're reading that right. Um, <clears throat> it says here specifically. Uh, I actually, uh, I think Helix is uh, disgusting, um, but but lovable in a lot of ways. He's he's certainly he's certainly an interesting looking character. Um, I think it's the kind of it's the kind of hip wobble that is. Um, that is most upsetting, but is is also most enjoyable. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, he's um, he's hard to look at. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. Michael McWhorter, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time here. I tell you, the uh, Switch has turned into a good little console, huh? was a little um, unsure about it at first, but uh, it's kind of starting to feel like kind of a humdinger, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think Re- Re- Richie has described it as a humdinger, for sure. A humdinger. That's what he, that's what he said in his distinct mountain of a man voice uh but folks that's going to do it for us there's a lot more content on polygon.com waiting for you to gobble it up including mike's review and so 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 much more so i hope you'll go check all of it out but until next time my name is justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to polygon's quality control